Welcome. Hour number two, Bill Michaels show. We continue on. And um, as I sit here, for those of you that uh, are watching on the Bud Light live stream today, there you go. That's it. The Bible has shown up. It came here yesterday. It was like Christmas time. Our lads draft guide, the scouting guide, which breaks down every player in this year's NFL draft. I love it as always. And when it comes, it's always a great time of year. Joining us now from uh, our lads is uh, John Cooper. He's joining us on the hotline right now. John, how you doing? Good, good. So let's get right into it because we know the Green Bay Packers, they are a team that is looking for wide receiver help. They picked up Sammy Watkins. They obviously have another veteran in Randall Cobb. But when I start going through this, everybody has a, an agreement that when you look at the top five, it's Drake London, it's Garrett Wilson, it's Chris Olave, Traylon Burks. So you tell me wh- what you think is going to be available going through all these mock drafts and such for the Green Bay Packers and who they may grab early on in that first round. Well, I think the the, the guy that we seem to think will be there is um, Olave, Olave from Ohio State. Uh, speed receiver, you know, we think the Packers need somebody that can run uh, and, and stretch the field, you know, with that core receivers they have. We think that's their number one need, and, and he fits the bill really well. Uh, you know, another kid is Dotson from Penn State, a little bit smaller, uh, that could be a first-round pick. Uh, Williams from Alabama uh, is another one. He may be, you know, it just depends upon what you're looking for. Uh, you know, some of the top guys that you mentioned are probably going to be gone when the Packers uh, pick at 22. But uh, you never know. One of them could fall there. The uh, guy we like, our favorite, is Drake London. Big, big, not as fast, but, you know, tremendous. Can play inside, can play outside. Uh, had some injuries, which could drop him down. I don't think he's going to drop that far, though. So as we sit here and look at all these different wide receivers, and I'm looking at the descriptions of all these guys right now. Is there a guy or how many of these guys do you feel can really contribute like right now? Because I'm hearing a lot of there's really good receivers, but there's probably not a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, a guy of that level coming into the draft. Or is there in your opinion? Well, it just depends on how you want to use these guys. Uh, You know, I think you take a kid like Traylon Burks, for example, uh, he was used as a big slot receiver some of the time. And uh, if that's what you're looking for, I think he can do that right away and get right down the middle of the field. He can shield defenders. And, uh, and London can do that, too. I think London is prepared and ready to go. Uh, a speed receiver, uh, you can always use that. And with some of these guys that can really run, like uh, a lot of these Ohio State kids and, and uh, the two Ohio State receivers, I think those guys can help you right away. I mean, they may not be immediate premier uh, receivers uh, like Devontae Adams, but uh, they're certainly going to help. You know, I think Green Bay has a you know a strong need for somebody that can can stretch the field at this point, because uh, you know Lazard can play that role as that big slot receiver. I know Cobb is considered to be that guy, but you know they need they need somebody to line up outside and run. Um, Watkins is a to me a stopgap for them. I, he has a tough time staying on the field. He, he's very, he, he didn't have a lot of snaps at Baltimore last year, and the same thing was true with Kansas City. He's hurt a lot. Uh, he, he does a lot of good things when he's healthy. 
Talking with John Cooper of Our Lads Scouting Guide. You can get it at OurLads.com and see all their information. Terrific, uh, like the draft Bible for me this time of year. So uh, what do you think the run is going to be? Because we talk about a, a depth of edge rusher, a depth of wide receiver, but there are teams, as we've seen this offseason, that are jockeying for position. They're looking for additional weapons. With the rules that have been so relaxed for the offenses, wide receivers have become almost a premium at this point, edge rushers as well. So do we see a run on these guys, or because there is a belief that there are going to be so many of these that teams are going to kind of lay off through that uh, you know hardcore first and second round that they're going to say, ah, well, there's going to be some more of those guys in the later portions of the round? Well, you know, I've heard that. Uh, I've heard people talk about that. But uh, I think the point being is a team like Green Bay that has a you know, strong need, uh, you know, not knowing what's available in the second round, I think they're going to they're gonna have to really look at a receiver. We think there's six receivers that have first-round grades on them for us. And I think there's a possibility that maybe a seventh could sneak in there if there's a run. But I think there's going to be a run at the in the maybe one through 15. I think it'll be three guys go there, we think. And then after that, uh, Alave, Dotson, and Williams will go in the first round, you know, in the latter part of the first round. But if somebody really wants one, you know, they're going to trade up. I think the thing that teams are hoping is that somebody like uh, New Orleans, uh, Carolina, uh, Pittsburgh will take a quarterback, uh, that, and that helps the wide receiver situation for teams that have that need or any other position. So you just don't when, know. Yeah, when you start to look at the – when you talk about the evaluation of need, and I find it rather interesting, when you look at all of that and, and the, where the Packers stand, obviously we all know they need a wide receiver. There, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start to look at the rest of their needs – um, is it an outside linebacker? Is it an inside? Is, because we know that without Elton Jenkins, they may be needing a right tackle as well. So, so where do you see the Packers, or, or do they just you know be Packer esque and stay true to their board? And just whatever happens to fall to them, they grab. But do they need an edge rusher to fill in for say for Zadarius Smith, who is now no longer here, or do they need a, a tackle in depth there? Or maybe if they don't re-sign Jair, are they looking for more secondary help? Well, I think they're going to look at this draft, which has solid talent at all those positions. I think they're going to look at, the, at all of those things in this draft. It's just, and I think it's kind of like, okay, best player available position in need. We know we want an offensive tackle, let's say. I mean, I think they do. Um, uh, figure Jenkins, how, when's he going to be ready to play? Uh, is he going to be better off playing guard? Could he draft the right tackle? Better off playing him and maybe draft a guard. I'm not sure they're really strong at uh, the right guard position, and I don't see a lot of depth there. So it just depends on, on what the value is of the player. If, if you don't have a first-round grade on that next wide receiver or edge rusher, you know, you're better off taking the offensive tackle that you do have a first-round grade on. So I think it's going to depend on how they value these players and where they fall. Uh, there's some offensive tackles that could fall to them that I would be really tempted to take in that first round, a kid like Penny from Northern Iowa, who could be there. Um, nice right tackle. I think you could slot him in there fairly quick, um, the type of player he is. And, uh, you know, edge rusher, somebody like Boye Mafe, if he's sitting there mm-hmm. uh, in the first round, the value is certainly there, and they can certainly use it. They've got two guys that are pretty solid. If one guy gets hurt, I'm not sure the depth is there 
for them to be, to, to be able to handle. They were, they were fortunate last year that those two guys stayed healthy, um, you know, without Smith being around all year. So, and, you know, you got to think of the future a little bit too. So if there's a great one there, you know, they have to think about taking them. I could see them taking a receiver with one of those picks. I think a good one, a first-round talent is going to be there. And uh, an edge rusher, an offensive tackle, you know, with uh, maybe the other pick. Uh, I want to ask you as well, uh, what is the – let's just say the Packers are going to start taking calls on Jordan Love. What do you think his value is at this point? Because I remember talking to Dan a couple of years ago when Love was drafted. He thought he would be a second-round type of type of guy at best, and then the Packers obviously jumped up to get him in the first round. What is his level of value now that you've seen very little of him in, in the pre- or regular season – and he's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. So if the Packers wanted to start, say, opening up the phone lines for discussion regarding Jordan Love, what would the value be? Well, I don't think it's going to be as high as what uh, the, what the Packers would hope. And, and, it's, and I think he hasn't really had a chance to play. He's played one game, really. And, uh, you know, the mixed results in that game, uh, it just depends on the perception of the teams that might be looking at him. Uh, I've heard second, third round pick they'd like to get. I'm not sure anybody's willing to do that. The teams that need quarterbacks are going to probably look to the draft uh, where they're going to get, you know, to have this guy for four years. He's got one year left, if I'm not mistaken, Uh uh, on his contract. So, uh, you know, unless you feel you really like him and you think uh, you had him evaluated as a really good, solid second round pick, uh, and you can sign him to an extension. I don't think uh, I don't think he's the guy you want because he hasn't done anything. There's enough veteran backups out there if that's what you're looking for. That uh, you know you can you can get that guy as a free agent off the street rather than give up any kind of draft capital for him. So uh, yeah, I would be surprised if anybody would be willing to give the Packers very much for him at this point. And not because he's not good. It's just because of contract status and things of that nature. And there's other options available. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you got a question, shoot it to us. Talking to John Cooper from rlads.com, uh, rlads scouting guide. So do we think that this year, because we've seen so much movement, we've seen so much trade, we've seen so many teams with draft capital, do we expect a lot of trades, a lot of movement in this draft? Yeah, I think there's going to be some more movement. I'm kind of looking at Pittsburgh, uh, you know, right now, uh, wanting to maybe move up. There's uh, some talk they want to draft a quarterback. And, you know, New Orleans has already made a trade to move up. And, uh, you know, there's the teams that are sitting there at maybe 10 through uh, 14, uh, 13, uh, you know, might be willing to trade down if they if they feel that some draft capital later on is, is a benefit to them. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh would you know, have to leapfrog New Orleans if indeed this scenario of trying to get a quarterback with that pick is what's taking place. We won't know until the, the draft because, you know, we don't know for sure what Carolina is going to do. Uh, and that, I think, is going to have an effect on, on some of the trading that's going to go on. But, yes, I do think there's going to be some trades. So what we've seen is some trades, some guys moving. Now we got Debo Samuel saying he wants out. Uh, what do you think, trade capital-wise, uh, draft capital-wise, it would take to pull a guy like Debo Samuel out of uh, San Francisco at this point? Well, you know, he's an awful good player. I think Green Bay, if they wanted him, we have to give up their first, maybe one next year. Um, I think he's, you know, he's an established receiver. And if they're willing, and if Green Bay's willing to do that, and maybe, you know, a couple other picks, I'm not sure how much. I saw how much Tyreek Hill got 
you know they got for Tyreek Hill. That's an awful lot. So I think if 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 he's the if he's the um, you know the bellwether on that, uh, then I think you're going to give up a lot to get Debo Samuel. John, great stuff as always. Let Dan know we're thinking of him. Hopefully he's better real soon, and we will talk to you guys down the road, okay? Okay, well, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it so much. John Cooper from Our Lads uh, Draft Guide. You can go to ourlads.com. You can you can pay for it. You can download it. But uh, the draft guide is fantastic. And a lot of the guys that it gives you, uh, it gives you such detailed um, such detailed information regarding a lot of these guys and and i can go through a lot of this stuff if you decide to to uh to want to know more about some of the guys that are being mentioned who's got better speed it gives you everything statistically from the combine their vertical leap you know the playing years where they actually stand what they measure at all that kind of stuff uh and talk uh talk both the positives and negatives about a lot of these guys and this i just started to sit down and started to read this thing a little bit yesterday and and start to really get into it when you look at a guy like uh, Jahan Dotson coming out of Penn State, who may be a guy that ends up in Green Bay, a 4-4-40. You look at a guy like Traylon Burks out of out of Arkansas. He's a 4-5 guy, six two, 225 pounds, but he's a 4-5 guy. When you look at a guy like uh, Jahan Dotson, he's only 5'10". When you look at his measurables, he's a 5'10 guy. He's not a, a, an over-6-foot guy. You look at Chris Olave. Uh, when you look at him, he's just over 6 foot, 187, but a 4 2 Six, four two six. You talk now when you talk about MVS. MVS had speed. He didn't have four two six speed. Chris Olave turned out a four two six at the combine. Four two. Now Jamison Williams. Think about this. He's six foot. He's six one. As a matter of fact, one seventy nine. A little bit, a little bit smaller than Chris Olave. But he ran a four two four. His fastest speed. A four two four. Now he didn't run on pro day and didn't run at the combine. But when he was originally tested, he was running a four two four, four two four. Garrett Wilson. He's not much bigger, or as a matter of fact, he's a little bit smaller. One eighty three, five eleven. He's a four three seven guy. Four. The, the days of running a four four forty are being beaten by some of these guys who are learning strictly speed at this point. They already have the natural gift, but they're learning strictly speed at this point. And and some of these guys have that capability of absolutely blowing the lid off. So would you wait for a guy like uh, Jamison Williams out of Alabama because he's got the bad knee, but he gives you all the attributes. He's 6'1", 179, but a 4'2", 4'40". Crazy speed. Crazy speed. Uh, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. 877-867-1670. More of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. He got out there yesterday and got the motorcycle, and I can't wait to pick uh, Kristen's up tomorrow and to get out uh, to riding season. Go to Wisconsin Harley-Davidson Highway 67 in Oconomowoc, and uh, tomorrow is going to be beautiful. I would expect that the showroom is going to be packed with people looking for motorcycles new and used, getting uh, the new motor clothes that continue to come in, or maybe picking your bike up if you were storing it out there. But head out to Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. Go to WISHD.com. That's WISHD.com. The best dealer statewide hands down go to wishd.com again wishd 
NBA.com. Uh, let's talk some NBA, shall we? The uh, the NBA, obviously, in full swing with the postseason. The Bucks uh, tied at a game apiece, losing Chris Middleton. They received some of that luck from last year uh, when it talked about injuries, but now they're the victim of some of the unfortunate luck. And uh, talk more about it, Seth Partnow from The Athletic covering the NBA. You can find him at Seth Partnow over on Twitter. Seth, how you doing today, man? Doing pretty well. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to ha- glad to have you on board. I-, I wanted to ask you first and foremost. Give me your level. Uh, if if you're a Bucks fan, what is the level of concern and or must win tonight? If say ten is an absolute positive must win and a one is eh, no big deal. Uh, six, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that they're in relatively decent shape in this series still. Um, I, you don't want to look ahead uh, from a series, but it's the next one that concerns me more right now with the Middleton injury than than finishing this one off. Um, we we talk so much about guys like LeBron and KD and players that can carry teams. Giannis, he doesn't get that same level of scrutiny. I think we all look at him as a true superstar. There's no doubt about that with the fact that he's got numerous MVPs and a championship. But he doesn't have that same level. Would we be harder on LeBron if, say, he didn't win in the next series versus Giannis if he win doesn't win without Middleton in the next series but still having a guy like Drew Holiday, still having a Brooke Lopez return, still having good guys in that backcourt like Connaughton, like Grayson Allen that can shoot the three? Do we not put as much scrutiny on Giannis? Um, I think there's a little bit of a grace period after last year, to be fair. And the fact that that next series is presumably going to be against Boston, and that's a really good team. And if they go to the finals and and you know and win as they easily could, then that that then such a loss kind of in historical perspective um, is sort of one of those like yeah no they ran into a really good team and they had they had a key injury. Um, so I I situationally I think this is it, it's a situation where there's probably a little bit of a, of a grace period. For, for that kind of scrutiny that, that you're bringing up. Um, like, I frankly, like, if they played that series without Middleton, I would be, frankly, very surprised if, if the Bucks were able to win it uh, in, in full transparency. What do you what, what did uh, the Bulls do differently that is made because the last ten, last couple of times to, towards the end of the season we saw the Bucks take on the Bulls it was really kind of a, a, a not even a, it was a yawner almost in both instances what have the Bulls done since that first quarter of Game One so dramatically different that has hampered the Bucks so badly? I mean, it starts with the, the the Bucks have been sort of the makers of their own demise a little bit. They missed a ton of free throws. They threw the ball around the gym. Uh, game game two reminded me a little bit, if you recall back to the uh, the first round of of the bubble playoffs in 2020, uh, game one against Orlando when they 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 you know they they got blown out by by the Magic, mm-hmm. um, and it was you know the Magic just made, made a lot of jump shots and the Bucks didn't didn't you know, threw the ball around. And it was a little bit like that that on, on Wednesday. Um, Nick Vucevic, Alex Caruso, and Derek Jones Jr. combined for 8 of 16 from 3. Um, I think that you would, if, if you were the Bucks, you would take those guys combining for 16 threes on, on most nights and think that defensively you're you're probably in a decent decent spot. So for even for, like, DeMar DeRozan going off and the Bucks missing a bunch of free throws, and you know the the Bulls getting a lot of three point makes from lesser shooters. The Bucks still lost by four. So mm-hmm. uh, again, 
that's where my level of concern over this series remains moderate. It would be low if Middleton was available. It's moderate with him out. Um, so I think it's just more about the Bucks, you know, being a little more solid, making the free throws, uh, taking care of the ball a little bit off. It's just making sure they're getting good shots down the floor every time and everything else will work itself out for the most part. You got the Celtics, as you had mentioned, up two games to none on the Nets. Are we surprised that the Nets are down two games to none at this point? The fact that uh, basically KD going 0 for 11 in the second half of that last game has been somewhat ineffective. Kevin Durant, even though he's averaging 29.9 points per game, he just hasn't been that guy for Brooklyn the way he was last year where he was just taking over games and dominating. I mean, it's it's certainly a guy who – lives on a as tough a diet of shots as he does. Uh, this, is a, this is the kind of thing that can happen. Uh, Boston is, is, is uh, they're probably the best defensive team in the league. So I think we do have to give the Celtics and Jason Tatum in particular a, a lot of credit for, for making things harder for, for the Nets in general and, and Katie specifically. So um, am I surprised Boston is up 2-0? Not really. Am I surprised that it's come you know, needing kind of a, a frantic comeback in game one and, you know, a pretty poor shooting performance from KD in, in game two for it to, to happen that way. I am I am surprised in the way it's happened, but not the fact of it. The, uh, the fact that we've got Memphis in there, the Timberwolves in there, uh, although the Timberwolves just looked ugly and were basically, as, as Charles Barkley called them, a basketball embarrassment last night and losing that contest. But the Timberwolves right now uh, trailing that series two games to one. Is it, how, how good is it for the game to see a few of these new faces, a few of these new teams, some of the guys that are the up-and-coming stars in the league in the postseason right now? Uh, this, this, is, this is fun because... A lot of years entering the postseason, you have a pretty good sense of, of how things are going to go. Um, now, some of it is some of it is the unfortunate injuries, whether we're talking Middleton or, or Devin Booker or or whoever else. But there are just a lot of teams that kind of rightfully feel like they have a chance, and I think that does um, that, that. I feel like that that permeates a lot of the games. In that, you know, there's there's almost a desperation because there's eight teams that realistically think they have a chance of winning the title this year. And that number is usually like three or four. Going to the West and looking at the Suns, obviously with the Devin Booker injury right now, they're going to be struggling a bit. That series tied up in a game of peace with the Pelicans. Is it still the Suns? Because they had such an incredible run during the regular season, even without Chris Paul. Is it still the Suns? Uh, conference to lose, or do we look at the Warriors now and go, you know what, that that's the, without Devin Booker, that's the team to beat? I think the difference between the Suns and the Bucks is that uh, the Celtics, I think, are the toughest challenge in the Eastern Conference, especially with Robert Williams coming back, and the Bucks would have to play them next round. The the Suns do have the have the the benefit of you know presuming that it would be the Warriors in the conference final of having that extra two weeks. For, for Booker to, to get back. So I think it is it is premature a little bit to, to sort of call that now other than to say that, yeah, based on the way the Warriors have played so far and with a question mark over over Booker, you'd have to say that as of right now, the, the, the Warriors are the more likely team to make the finals. We don't talk a lot about, uh, but Ben, ben, our producer from Philadelphia in that area, 
obviously pays a lot of attention to the 76ers, but we don't hear about the 76ers quite a bit. Joel Embiid obviously hitting that last-second buzzer. He's had some really good postseason moments now. They're, they're up three games to none over the Raptors early on. Give me your thoughts on the 76ers and where they could kind of play a, play like a fly in the ointment in all of this. Um, you're right. They haven't really been talked about enough. And with, you know, again, with the, uh, the Middleton injury, that opens the door even wider for them. Uh, certainly Tyrese Maxey emerging as a legit, like, I don't know if you, what, what number of option you'd call him for them now, but that's, that's adding just one more weapon to a team that already has, you know, we haven't seen the best of James Harden boasted this year, but Joel Embiid has certainly been been playing at a, at a pretty good level for, you know, he's probably going to finish second in the MVP award, MVP voting this year. Um, so I think that they're a very dangerous team. I do wonder if defensively they have enough on the perimeter, um, uh, you know, when we start to get into the later rounds of the playoffs. I would, I would expect, I would favor Boston over them. Uh, pretty handily in a series, and then probably the same with which whichever of the Warriors or Suns came out of the East. But they're certainly in there with a chance. Uh, I want to go back to the matchup coming up tonight, uh, real quick. Bucks and Bulls, obviously, Rosen dropping forty-one the last time out. The guy that's been pesky in my eyes, and he comes up big in big moments for whatever reason, has been Caruso. Even though he's dropping nine points and nothing spectacular, but he gets assists, he gets a key steal, he tips balls away. Who for the Bucks has to be the next guy to step up? Is it Drew Holiday? Is it Lopez, who had twenty-five in the last contest, or is it somebody else? Do we look for a guy like a Bobby Portis or a Pat Connaughton or a Grayson Allen to start shooting well because their bench isn't giving them much right now? Um, I think that that the holiday playing better is certainly certainly a, a key factor. If you're talking about sort of that that role player who makes you know the basketball plays, gets the loose balls, gets the big offensive rebound, hits the timely three. I think Connaughton was the guy who did a lot of that in the playoffs for the Bucks last year. So um, you know maybe if you're looking at that that the, the guy who isn't the star who's going to step up, I think he would be the guy that they would be looking for to give them some of that. Seth, great stuff. Uh, certainly appreciate it. We'll touch base again as the season winds down and the uh, postseason continues on, okay? Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it, bud. Talk to you soon. There you go, Seth Partnow. You can find him on Twitter at Seth Partnow, P-A-R-T-N-O-W, covering the NBA for The Athletic. Some good stuff. And uh, like he said, it's 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 you can't, there's an intensity to this right now, but you're not jumping into the full-fledged panic mode. It's, you know, maybe a concern of five or six, you know, but you got to get that win tonight. you got to come out and look good tonight, and then you wait and see what happens before you get into the uh, absolute positive must-win situation for the Milwaukee Bucks. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at New Mail Medical, treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin, well beyond the borders as well. they got it going on. All you got to do is call 414 414- Seven five four one four uh seven five five fifteen hundred four one four just give him a buzz. Give him a buzz. Four one four excuse me, four one four four five five forty four fifty one. Four one four four five five forty four fifty one. When it comes to low T, energy, brain fog, all that kind of stuff, they can help you out with that. How about all in one weight loss program? All you gotta do is call four one four four five five four four five one. Four one four four five five four four five one. Again, 414-455-4451. Good stuff. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. 
Ready. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.